there is some data to show that you could possibly rehabilitate, not do surgery, and the ACL, you know, whatever you lack in that ligament stability-wise can be made up by the muscles around it. And you can go on to do some pretty awesome things, maybe play a season, maybe play two seasons without an ACL. The famous example I usually give is Dewan Blair. Dewan Blair was a player for the San Antonio Spurs. He played for the University of Pittsburgh basketball, and he did not have any ACLs going into his uh, NBA career. So zero ACLs in either me and played for, I think, five or six years, had a pretty solid NBA career. So I think the conventional wisdom in America is like ACL, death sentence, get the swelling down, try to build strength, keep range of motion. Let's get into the surgery, get the surgeon, reconstruct the ACL, and then we'll do our rehab. And I think that the more forward-thinking groups in Europe and the Scandinavian countries are really looking more into this non-operative approach, which I think has some merit as long as the person isn't experiencing any instabilities. This is the Strategy of Fitness podcast. Our goal is to energize and entertain fitness enthusiasts by sharing insights from experts in the health and wellness community. From physical therapy perspectives to interviews with professional athletes, special operators, nutritionists, and coaches. We want to help you be your best self. Welcome to the Strategy of Fitness. in the strategy of fitness it has a nice ring to it doesn't it check out the link in our instagram bio get 30 dollars off your first month subscription get the brand new 4.0 and start this year off right track your sleep track your recovery track your daily strain there's no better tech to wear every single day and hold you accountable of course this podcast is your weekly accountability buddy but there's nothing better on the market than whoop check it out Welcome back to the Strategy of Fitness podcast. My name is Nick Cressy, joined weekly by Dan Gorn and Rob Rowland. Not so weekly, we've been taking a little bit of a relaxing summer. Boys, how are you? Have you ever seen the office where Stanley is uh, Florida Stanley? I was Nashville Dan for a little while. So kind of just, kind of like I said, we kind of took a couple weeks, step back a little bit. We're going to come in hot with some good episodes coming in. Uh, doing pretty good. How are you doing, Robbie? Doing pretty well. I'm a little upset you didn't invite me to your bachelorette party, but that's all right. Maybe next round. Let's start here with a definitive review of Nashville. This was your first time there? First time there. Um, yeah, so Nashville was great. You guys sent me some really good stuff. Nick, actually, Rob didn't send me anything. Hashtag uh, least helpful person in America. So bar power rankings, like we did all the big bars, like the Luke Bryan, the, the Kid Rock, you know, the Jason Aldean. Those are, you know, definitely good for, you know, good for what you're there for. It'll get you where you need to go. Uh, my favorite, we went to Tootsie's. Tootsie's was a little bit of a, Leah's not a, not a huge fan. I was a pretty big fan. Like the Kid Rock stuff was really, really big. And I like that. Tootsie's was a little small, but then there was the one place we found the last night called the stage, which was right near, I think Tootsie's and the stage was the shit. And we had the best night ever there um and had just so much fun so yeah it was a great trip a lot of girls here's here's a quick take hot take maybe not so hot but but what are your thoughts on people wearing cowboy boots when they're in nashville like is it just a costume thing or like people doing cowboy shit like what are your thoughts there i don't think many people are actually doing cowboy shit i think it's very similar to people when they go to vegas they pretend like they're gamblers and wear 
you know, sunglasses inside and think that's <laughs> yeah. cool trying to beat the dealer. And you're like, you're just trying to fit in here. You fucking dweeb. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I feel the same way about that as I do uh, like hipsters wearing Carhartt. So you got to do some Carhartt shit to earn your Carhartt. Can't just fire up a Carhartt, not have calluses and tractor or some shit, you know, like the same thing with cowboy boots. Like you got to do some cowboy shit to earn those things, but the girls, they look good in them and they, they had fun. It looked like, so Leah didn't have cowboy boots. So, you're not signing off on the Carhartt bib, but it's just a fashion piece. <laughs> it's, t- it's a tough look, man. Hey, yo, me and Nick went to Milford High School. The only kids that wore Carhartts, they also had massive lifted pickup trucks and always backed their pickup trucks into the parking spot. That That's who wears Carhartts. Never not. pull in front ways in Milford. I don't think you're allowed to. I don't think they make <laughs> I don't think they make parking spots that you're not that you're actually allowed to pull into. Shocking. It's 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 staggering that like I never understood the backing into a parking space, and then I further never understood the backing into those parking spaces because you have a bigger truck. I guess if nobody's there at the beginning, then it's just easier to pull out because your truck's big. I don't know. I think they just always want to be in a good fighting position. Uh, when they get out of their car, they're always <laughs> facing the person they're about to say something rude to or annoy or drive over. I don't know. And also, the other thing was the dual exhaust. Always. I go out of my way to get the quietest car for the longest time, and it seems like it's still there. People love loud cars. I'm like, I don't understand. I'm about to, I'm about to ruffle some feathers. If your car is loud and has dualies or if you drive a motorcycle, there's almost 100% chance I don't like you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm throwing all on, motorcycles in there. Wow. I'm throwing all motorcycles. You know why? You know, all these fucking watch out for motorcycles stickers and people saying watch out for motorcycles. Hey, bitch, I didn't choose to drive on the 70 mile an hour bicycle. I chose to drive in a car. How about you watch out for me? They are what you more, a, a motorcycle or a cyclist? Which one really grinds your gears? No, when you're, you know, you're playing all the damn hits right now. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like the, yeah, exactly. You're just, you're just firing up the record machine. Like you're hitting like C7. C7, Dan's ran on cyclists. They're both just awful. And I never want to deal with any of them in traffic. And then it's like, they complain about like, oh, watch out for me. But then if it's a traffic jam, they're literally stuffing, you know, themselves right in the middle of cars going 80 miles an hour. It's like, how do you think the story's going to end, Hoss? What, what's next year? 50? I could see you getting uh, a nice little little chopper to cruise around town and like totally flip 180 and be like, bikes are the coolest thing, man. I get like 50 miles a gallon. I get to work so fast. I go between cars, like total classic damn 180. <laughs> I could definitely do that. Let's not rule it out, guys. <laughs> All right. So rank, uh, rank Nashville, one to 10. For what it is, I'd say a solid eight and a half, maybe nine, because you're going there to drink beers in crowded places and listen to sick music. And I was telling you, I was, I think I was texting you and Nick. I was like, like somebody played guitar growing up, and like, like every single person we'd go in there, I was like, oh, this guy's vastly better than me. I, I feel like kind of a loser, you know. And it was just such a hotbed of talent, you know, across the board. Yeah, um, yeah. So if, if for what you're there for, which is go drink, have fun, watch bands, I mean, it gives you everything you need. I agree. I think it's a lot of fun. But when I can't let Dan off the hook with his little comment at the beginning there saying I'm the least helpful person in America. When this guy texts me at least once a week with some personal media, as I, I'm that one is just stuck in my head. I can't go on this episode until you, you rectify that statement. Rob is exceedingly helpful. He's helped me with my profession. He's done free programming with me for two years almost, I think. 
we're getting a softer side of Rob too, where things are starting to penetrate his armor. Yeah, yeah. And you know, yeah, like he's like softer. actually excited to to record sometimes, and like you know, he's yeah. like happier. I think. I think maybe he realizes we're we're all actually buddies here, you know. And those words hurt, man. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, and and Rob, yeah, he's helped me with you know rehabbing any number of injuries. You know, like he, he's the most helpful person. He just didn't help with Nashville, is all I can say. Which hey, I've never been, Dan. I've never been. Yeah, doesn't change the end result. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's talk. Uh, let's talk workouts, Robbie. You're you're getting ready for a hot 4K here soon, right? When's the window? I started today, July 6th to the 10th. So I've I've already taken my first stab at it, and it was not good. How are you stacked up against last year? So last year, uh, I looked it up today. I hit a 631.8, so around a 632. So I, I was thinking, like, maybe if I'm feeling real great, I can go sub 630 this year. But this morning I hit a 637, and my legs are – they're throbbing right now. I forgot how much a six-and-a-half-minute just spring on that bike hurt. So today I got that one out of the way. I'll try it again Friday and Sunday. I can definitely beat 637, whether I'm going to beat 632 from last year. I mean, that's coming off of a year of hitting this thing five days a week, and now I'm like – I'll do like one interval ride and one longer ride on it each week. So I'm definitely not hitting it as hard. I think I can get close to last year, but I just don't have the optimism I'm going to beat last year's time. Yeah. I don't think that's surprising. I'm surprised that hitting that bike at max intensity in the morning stays with you throughout the day. Just because I figured your body adapted to just being able to be like, you know, let's, let's talk about my training today. Cause I'm off this week. Right. So I'm, I'm on dad duty. So, okay. Got the little guy all morning. We go to visit mom at work. So deadlift today. I don't have a good place to, to deadlift at home. I have a good trap bar. So I'm like, all right. Mara was being being very nice today. She's like, I'll take Jack while she's training her group of like 10 people. She's like, I'll watch him for 15 minutes while I get your deadlift in. So I did hit uh, 440 for a set of eight. Felt pretty good. Like no warm Just got that in. Came home. Beautiful. Fed Jack lunch. He goes down for the nap. And then I do my like bike warm up for the 4K, get that in, lay down for 10 minutes with my laser cover, go out and do yard work while he's finishing his nap. And then we finish that up. I try to get my overhead press in and it starts raining. And then I come inside and make that dinner that I sent you guys. Get all that cleaned up, eat that. Then rain stops. So I go outside and hit my squash, which was like five by eight at like 275. So my, my legs are just absolutely throbbing right now. You just glazed over 440 for eight. That's a great set. I, didn't I was going to say, that's, I didn't know you were working to get your deadlift heavy. I don't have to, like, deadlift, I'm just built. I don't have to do it. It's just like that strength. Well, yeah, but you always kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'm not, yeah, you, know, you, you always talk about your big 600 pound pool. But since then, we don't talk very much about you. I mean, 440 for eight is big weight to be moving around. Just hold it. Feel good. That's wonderful. And you know, like when you get the low handle with trap bar and you don't have it exactly even and you just feel off, it was tilting backwards on me. And I said, forget, it. I'm just going to rip through it. It's, it's feeling too light. Mm. That's a beautiful thing. God damn, that's nice. Well, good. Well, that makes a little bit more sense to me why your legs are a little bit toasty. You actually did a whole lot of things. It wasn't just a six minutes and 37 seconds put out. So 4K, are you guys going to put up a score with me? This like an official score. You have your Concept Two training books. You're gonna you're gonna do it, or are you just gonna do it and send me your times? I'm just gonna do it and send you my times. I'll promise you, it's gonna be bad. Like it, it's gonna be real bad because I haven't been on that thing. Ooh, I mean, really? Aside from some 20 calorie intervals on these imams, 
buddy. Sub seven is going to be hurting. What about you, Dan? You going to try to get to the gym and hit it? Friday, I'm off work early. Actually, my brother Dave's coming this weekend, but I think my gym's right on the way home, so maybe I'll fire up right after work on Friday. And uh, how do I submit an actual score? You got to have the Concept Two app on your phone, and then you just link it up to the bike, so it's Bluetooth in, and then it'll save there, and then you just go on your account and like upload it to your Concept Two training log on the website. Okay, so I just need to yeah, so just uh, hook it up. What what do you hook it up with? Just is a USB USB port? No. What, the, what is this? Ninety nine man, just Bluetooth in. I'm sorry you said that. Bluetooth in. <laughs> bad. Dan is such a boomer. Ah. He's he is never going to be invited on the rap. There's no chance. <laughs> <laughs> Give him his favorite tech stock. All right, Dan, what have you been hitting in the gym? I know obviously a lot of 12 ounce curls in Nashville, but uh, <laughs> you know, anything good recently? I know we're still rehabbing a little bit, but you've been hitting Thunderbird pretty steady, right? Yeah, I could do pretty much everything that in the Thunderbird program. So been doing that. So you guys a body pick. I know you guys enjoyed that. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> let's talk let's talk about that for a second because Dan's, that was a weird picture. No criticisms on the picture. This no, is, no, 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 all, no. It's all gonna be positive here. Because what I was gonna say is you've been dealing with like a pretty bad injury, like a big nagging injury that's really limited your ability to train, like your main mode of training, which is CrossFit. And you've kind of pivoted, you've put your focus on something totally different. And from all the time that I've known you, that picture, you actually look like you put some meat on your chest, dude. Like you, you're looking like you bulked up a little bit to do that in a time where you have a pretty bad injury. It's like, that's nothing to sneeze at there, man. That's, that's some good work. Thanks, man. That means that really, really means a lot to me. And the Thunderbro stuff is fucking awesome. Don't you dare cry. Choked up a little bit. No, I'm not going to cry. Um, but the Thunderbro stuff's great. Cause it's not like, I don't know, like, like Dave Lipson said on our podcast and really struck home with me. He's like, yeah, the, the two biggest things that hurt people is like, you're lifting too fast, you're lifting too heavy, which obviously you're going to experience a lot of that in CrossFit. So getting away from that. And like, I'm almost embarrassed. Like, I don't send you guys a lot of lifting videos. The weights that I'm lifting are just like almost like pathetic, but it'll be a set of 15 with a five second eccentric, a one second pause at the bottom and a three second concentric, you know, like it's some, the, the tempos are fucking insane. And I agree with you. And again, uh, Nick challenging me to eat the more protein and get my protein. I think we're all kind of challenge each other, um, especially me and Nick to try to get those protein numbers up that and the Thunderbro, which again, at a hotel gym is really cool. Cause you're just getting hey, five to 50 dumbbells. Boom. You're, you got everything you need for Thunderbird pull up bar. They had at the gym. So like going to a hotel gym, you know, get an hour sweating. And then I've been trying to hit some cardio too, like really getting after some of the conditioning pieces Nick has sent me. So yeah, it's been good. And then a conditioning piece I hit today, this is from a buddy, Ryan, who maybe listens to the pot. I don't know. He was he used to go to our gym, but he threw this up there. The echo bike one minute on one minute off for 10 rounds, trying to hit 20 calories a minute, which was pretty damn easy at the beginning. But around seven, I hit the seventh round. I hit 20 and then eight, and nine, I was off, I think I had 17, 18, and then I rebounded for the last round and hit 20. So almost made it there, but that's a good one to try for the Echo bike that I can throw out there. Minute on, minute off, uh, biker, rower, skier, like that is such a great, like middle of the road interval. I'm a hu- huge fan of it. Yeah, it's pretty basic, but uh, definitely test you. I think for you, Nick, um, now I know you're, you, you've pivoted. I want to talk to you a little bit about the pivot. You pivoted a little bit out of the conditioning and you're pivoting more to the strength side of things. But I think that for someone like you, Nick, Given your prowess on the Echo, I think a 15 to 20 rounder might be a little bit more appropriate and trying to keep that 20 cows. What do you think? One to one. One to one. Yeah, as long as I get that minute break, well, maybe I'll do it tomorrow. I'm supposed to do a Tabata, three-round Tabata with a two-minute rest on the Echo tomorrow morning. But maybe I'll try to hit 15 minutes on the Echo. I don't, I'm not promising anything, but I'll give it a shot. 
Yeah, I have pivoted a little bit. I think I told you guys I was going to focus on. I just wanted to PR my squat clean, so I did three fifty. Really happy about that. Of course, literally less than a second later, I was like, hmm, I wonder if I got to hit three fifty five. So there's never any like I'm never happy. Uh, it's a, it's an actual issue. I need to see a shrink. I think so, but it was good. Felt good. Got my confidence. I was working heavy jerks this morning because really like 350 clean and jerk would be like next level shit. So we're, we're a ways from that. I've hit them each individually, but I need to get a little bit better on my hand placement on the catch, standing up that clean to be able to then jerk it. Got to get a little wider. So I have been staying with the engine, but the, I was texting you guys. I, I think it was after the, the clean PR. I wanted to hit a quick 20 minute, Macho Man. And the last time I did Macho Man was probably 18 months, 18 months ago. I remember we used to always talk about it as a group and I've just fallen off doing it. I don't know why. And the last time I completed it was at 185 and I remember it killed me, but I finished all 20 minutes. And for those that don't know, it's three power cleans, three front squats and three jerks on the minute for 20 minutes. I got to round seven at 185. I was fucking dying on Saturday morning. I was shook man i was like holy shit i don't know what's going on with me so i backed it off to i think i finished at 155 and that was okay but when you sacrifice a little bit of that engine and the consistent barbell work and moving it quickly for just like extra squat sessions shit pays you back quick but like rob said it's probably easier to shift into getting the engine back as long as you're maintaining a baseline i would imagine than it is to put on strength quickly what, what got you on the, the macho man? Just time under tension under the bar or was it, I can't imagine the jerks were holding you up. The recovery just wasn't there. I mean, I was getting done everything. Even the round that I was like, I'm going to back this off. I was getting done with, you know, 28 to 26 seconds. I just was huffing and puffing so much. And anytime I start really sucking wind on Olympic weightlifting, I'm like, just be careful. Like this is enough weight that it could hurt you. And I kind of risk reward it. And I'm like, all right, let's pull this off and complete the 20 minutes. Uh, Did you PR your snatch since we, we've been on the air too? No, that was earlier in the year, 280. So the bar's moving nice right now. Let's put it that way. A PR on a snatch or a clean? What, what just feels clean? The clean feels more victorious because I've been chasing it for so long. The snatch, I, I still don't like, feel like I should have it. Like, it still I makes like no snatch, sense to me. You can lose it any second. It's, like, so minute. Like, you just never know. Like, a clean, you know when you got it. Like, I feel like you just get more excited about the clean. Yeah, and it's just one of those things that, like, I work so much harder on building my clean, so it feels more rewarding. It's like, finally, like, fuck, man. I've been doing squats religiously for a while now. Like, I should have stronger legs. I know that. The snatch, like every time I get it up over my head, I'm like, that's fucking stupid. That could never happen again. And I got it on tape, so it happened once. It's such a it's such a wacky movement. But both of those things are so damn fun. Again, I'm going to probably give it another six weeks of really staying, just trying to build build the strength and then maybe start focusing more on the engine piece. That's great. And like you said, uh, on your tombstone, you know, you want uh, <laughs> your numbers and self-taught, you know, that's awesome. So. <laughs> I mean, self-taught's a big thing because like, yeah, if you've had all this professional coaching and you started when you were six years old, like it's still impressive as hell, but it's not as more impressive to start in your mid to late twenties and then hit, you know, some pretty serious numbers, I think. Yeah. I'm super proud of the fact that like, and the reason I'm proud is because it's been so hard. 
And I go against a lot of the expert thinking of like, you got to do block work. You got to do holes, high pulls. Yeah. High pulls and stuff like that. Like I, I, I don't do any of that stuff. I just try to work on the movements and get them down. And it, you know, it, it's going to be harder for me to teach my kids that way. I promise you that I, I won't do it that way, but it was, uh, it's been a long journey. So, and really in my mind, it's really just starting. I think of Dan John, obviously he's a world-class athlete, but how old is that man? And how much is he still lifting? Like it doesn't have to end if you do it right. And I think that's the coolest thing about Olympic weightlifting. Like, yeah, you can do some stupid shit and really hurt yourself. But for the most part, if you do it smart, you stretch out and you do the movements the way they're supposed to be done, you can get better and better. And there's no real age limit on it. So in the long game, in the long game. Yep. So, Hey, let's talk a little bit about a very common injury that, you know, we're, we're coming up fast, rapidly approaching OTAs and football and something that we hear that just devastates teams once a year, sometimes multiple times a year, ACL injuries. We've never really dove into what it is, how some of these, I, I was reading something the other day, uh, OBJ said that he played the last several weeks of the season without an ACL. That kind of blew my mind. So let's, let's deep dive a little bit what it is. I don't think we're going to talk post-surgery, post-op. On this episode, maybe we touch it the next one, but let's just give a diagnosis of what this is, what it means when we hear it, and then I'll, I'll ask questions throughout. Yeah, again, I love that you bring up the uh, Odell Beckham injury because, you know, as we hear about ACL, it's kind of a death sentence, right? Like, at least for a year of that player's career, you hear ACL injury and, you know, you think that player is out for a year. But let's first talk about what the ACL is. So when we look at the knee, it connects the femur to the tibia. It's the ligament that's right in the middle of those two bones connecting one to the other. And it prevents the tibia, which is the main part of your shin bone from moving forward or translating anteriorly on the femur. Okay. On the thigh bone. So it kind of acts as a stopgap for that anterior translation. The interesting thing about the ACL is if you, when you dissect a cadaver and you actually look at it, it's, it's rather small, I guess, you know, compared to the relative importance of what you think it is. If you're actually looking at the ligament, it's not super big, which may be one of the reasons why it's so vulnerable. But I, I guess there's so many places that we can go with ACL injuries. And I guess I want to start with the Odell Beckham point is when you do tear your ACL, if one of these injuries does occur, there is some data to show that you could possibly rehabilitate, not do surgery and the ACL, you know, whatever you lack in that ligament stability wise can be made up by the muscles around it. And you can go on to do some pretty awesome things, maybe play a season, maybe play two seasons without an ACL. The famous example I usually give is Dewan Blair. Dewan Blair was a player for the San Antonio Spurs. He played for University of Pittsburgh basketball, and he did not have any ACLs going into his uh, NBA career. So zero ACLs in either me and played for, I think, five or six years, had a pretty solid NBA career. So I think the conventional wisdom in America is like ACL, death sentence, get the swelling down, try to build strength, keep range of motion. Let's get him the surgery, get the surgeon, reconstruct the ACL, and then we'll do our rehab. And I think that the more forward-thinking groups in Europe and the Scandinavian countries are really looking more into this non-operative approach, which I think has some merit as long as the person isn't experiencing any instability. So Rob, I didn't know what you want to add to that. That was kind of my very, very brief overview of, of some things I wanted to touch on today. So one thing to add, this is this is a newer one, but the most impressive example of somebody competing without ACL. So there's a 
a lightweight wrestler from Iowa. I, I think this was two years ago. Um, Spencer Lee, I believe is his name. He tore his ACL at the beginning of the season, wrestled all season without an ACL on his knees. This guy's just, I, I don't know. He might've been undefeated that year. And then right before NCAAs tours, other ACL <laughs> went to NCAAs, won a national championship with two ACL deficient knees. Like, just the level of performance and like confidence you have to have in yourself to go into a tournament like that and come out with a, a gold medal is just that one blows my mind. I think he he did later have him reconstructed. Yeah, that ACL is just like an internal brace in the knee. And the the way I kind of like explain to people is like the ACL is like a guardrail on the road. It's it's there if you need it. You don't want to rely on that. But you, your hamstring, your motor control, that's like the driver of the car. You want all that controlling where your knee is in space. And that ACL is there just in case you need it. And there's these small events that can happen where there's a whole bunch of hypothesized reasons why we think certain people are at a higher risk for them. But there's no like definitive answer. Yeah, it can be non-contact, contact. And I feel like in the States, we, we see them reconstructed a lot more because the concern now is meniscal health. When you, ha you don't have an ACL, there's these subtle movements that can happen in the knee that can wear down that, that shock absorber knee and lead to pain or arthritis down the road. So I feel like that's one of the primary drivers for um, early operative intervention in the States. Can you tear your meniscus? Yeah, you could tear your meniscus in, in any number of places. You could tear it with the ACL. Actually, if you tear the ACL, the MCL, and the medial meniscus, we call that the terrible triad, right? So that's um, you can kind of get all those in together. And, and the interesting thing you made there, and I want to I want to relay this. Uh, I want to go back to your point, Rob. For, so when you said the ACL reconstructed, the thought is to reconstruct that to prevent osteoarthritis. I believe the late last data, or we did talk about this at a, at a journal club at one time, was that. Either if it's reconstructed or if it's not, you have a very similar incidence of knee osteoarthritis. That's that's still the thinking? At the time, it's true. I think we still have to wait to see what long-term data looks like because, I mean, a lot of the big explosion at ACLs, I mean, these people are reaching their, what, 40s by now. So it's going to take a while for that research to really pan out. If you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late. So having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop mixed in water once a day and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash provengrit. Check it out. But within the last 10 years, I'd say, orthopedic surgeons have really prioritized repairing a meniscus whenever you can, because that just when the meniscus gets injured, it starts this arthritic kind of degenerative 
cascade. And if you can prevent that early on, maybe you can stave off or prevent an ultimate joint replacement, which really changes the uh, function of the knee, obviously. Now, why is it so susceptible? Why does this keep happening? Why does it happen non-contact? It's very strange. I'm looking at it, really trying to understand the anatomy of this knee. Now, I would think on cuts and stuff like that, the ACL um, would be more incubated almost like the LCL to me when I'm looking at it. And even the PCL seem like they would be, I guess MCL is what I'm looking at. MCL, LCL are the two that are like, well, that would make more sense on cuts. Why is that inside of the knee? What's going on folks? I think you're the, when you're visualizing, you're thinking of everything happening in like this frontal plane of like this knee buckling, but there's these rotational forces that happen that the ACL is going to take up the, the brunt of that. MCL LCL are like their buttresses in the side of the knee, but ACL kind of comes in at a diagonal. So it takes a little bit of that force and takes the twisting and takes the sagittal plane forces. So it's when all those happen at one time, which is what a cut is, then the ACL tends to be the, the first one to go. And on this, on this diagram I'm looking at, I guess the MCL LCL both look bigger, thicker. Is that true? So are they a bit more durable? MCL is is a broader type ligament. I don't know about LCL compared to ACL, but LCL has some other structures over there that kind of support it. Other other things on the outside of the knee that can support that area where ACL is kind of hanging out by itself inside the knee. That makes sense. Yeah, and the LCL is an interesting one to talk about too, because if if you look at where those force vectors would have to come from, it would it would be somebody hitting you from the inside of your knee, blowing out the LCL. So it's very rare, but I, I totally get that. The frontal plane motion you're talking about with cutting because intuitively you're like, shit, that's going to be way more important to have these stop gaps on either side. And these are probably the ones that get fucked. But if you think about the LCL, you need a varus force to the knee. So the way I would think about hurting your LCL is I was, I was a goalie in soccer. And when you punt, if I'm punting with my left leg, I'm planting my right leg and somebody slides in and hits the inside of your knee and it blows that LCL out with that varus force. That's it's really going to be the only kind of one of the only real ways to really screw that LCL up. But that, that's a good point with the frontal plane motion. I like how Rob kind of put all those motions together. If you look at any textbook and just look at frontal sagittal and transverse planes, it gives you a better understanding of how many, how many forces that ligament is, is taking at a time, which is really, really staggering. And, and like we said before, maybe not the strongest looking ligament. So maybe does set it up for, to be a little bit more used to your more commonplace as far as getting injured. No way for athletes, especially younger athletes to do specific things to train this or to strengthen it. Like I would imagine the best athletes in the world, like fast twitch football players that go down every training camp are doing all of those things i would imagine or do you guys have tips and recommendations or it's like hey this can at least strengthen it there there are some prevention programs out there that if you look at the research data they're pretty effective but then when you look at implementation data like they they get pushed aside and consistency on doing these prevention programs it's kind of kind of shitty so there is good data there is training you should do it should probably happen before you go into your practice or sport or whatever it is good strength and conditioning on top of that, but it's consistency, just like anything we talk about is, is key. And when we're talking everyday activities, like folks at home that are lifting or even doing CrossFit, are there any specific movements that people should be looking out for? I mean, again, when I'm seeing this in Julian Edelman, it's usually a non-contact catching a screen, turning up field. 
I can't even relate that to someone doing even sloppy squats, right? Like it's, it's not necessarily the same thing, right? Probably not on a squat in the CrossFit setting, actually a box um, jump over box jump over, That's maybe pivot, pivot, pivot in a box jump over. The one thing that had just happened recently was um, I think it was one of the Panchik brothers was coming down from the rope and it was legless rope climbs. So you're coming down fast, right? So it's legless rope climbs, but the rope, was on the bottom of the floor and kind of in a, in a legged rope climb mm-hmm. scenario. So there was some extra slack. So he's coming down legless rope climbs, kind of jumps to the bottom and his leg caught on his foot caught on the, uh, the rope and, and twisted the knee and that caused an ACL injury, but pretty rare, pretty hard to do in the CrossFit setting. Maybe, maybe coming down off, off, a, like if you're a short person, you have to jump up to a high rig and you, you, you come down maybe one footed or something like that, but it'd be, it'd be pretty tough. Robbie, what do you say? Yeah, it'd be a pretty uh, low incidence unless there's pre some pre-existing condition that might predispose you to it. But yeah, CrossFit isn't going to setting you're going to typically see it in. Good. It's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Dan, anything else you wanted to get? I know we didn't want to talk post-op really in this episode. We can get to it another time. Anything else you want to touch on here? No, I guess um, I guess just to, to really emphasize the importance of, of the rehab process. And, and when Rob, when you were talking about prevention and what can I get my daughter to do, I kind of want to go back to that. And the point of the ACL being a stopgap from that tibia, you know, going forward, what's the main muscle group posteriorly that's going to stop that? And Rob already mentioned it, it's the hamstrings, right? And we're seeing an increased incidence of ACL tears amongst women versus men, especially amongst young adolescent women. That's probably your, your bread and butter age gap of people that are going to sustain these injuries. So as your daughter is kind of getting into adolescence, as she's going into more sports, I think a lot of hamstring and glute training is going to be key. Glute me, glute max, and really crushing the hammies. A lot of Nordics, a lot of, uh, a lot of GHDs, all that good stuff. Anything hamstring, glute-related, you know, barbell hip thrusters, stuff like that, I think is going to be key in injury prevention. And just making sure kids aren't, you know, I think that 12 to 13-year-old that landing, you know, I'm working with a lot more of those adolescents now. And for, for some of them, the jumping and the landing is just so all over the place. Just getting down basic jump mechanics, basic squat mechanics, and just making sure they don't look like a disaster when they do those jump lands and, and kind of cuts. To kind of tie in some stuff we talked about previously, and there's no, I don't think there's research to support this, but I think uh, avoiding early specialization. So field sports, we're playing on this huge field, working with big areas of acceleration, decelerations. So I think early on, like sports that promote body awareness, like gymnastics, wrestling are really important. And then the smaller field type sports like basketball, ice hockey, things where you're changing direction, not at top speed. I feel like that builds good mechanics early on before you start getting out to like open field lacrosse soccer kind of stuff where these injuries are, are a little bit more common. One question for Dan, since we were like our, our age group is typically not the, the ones tearing ACL. Let's say you did have an ACL injury. Would you get the opportunity managed if it was just an isolated ACL considering what you're, you're doing these days? That's a great question. I think, you know, cause I do see this a lot, you know, and a lot of times we know the person's going for surgery, but they'll come to us preoperatively. And one of the questions I have that was on the university of Delaware forums back in the day was, is it giving out on you? Right? Like they're called the instances of giving way. Some people tear their ACL and they're two months, you know, before surgery, like it hasn't given out on me at all. It feels pretty stable. And um, I think that's an interesting phenomenon that, that if I was experiencing no instances of instability, it still felt pretty good. 
I would say I'd let it ride uh, for sure. If if it was super unstable uh, and I was like, I just didn't feel like I had my legs under me, I'd have to probably seriously consider a reconstruction. What about what about you, Rob? And then I throw this one also to you, Nick. You're just basically giving off kind of what you've heard. Yeah, I think I would, if it wasn't small and wasn't bothering me, I, I would definitely opt for the non-op route first. But if I was re- talking to somebody else, I think I would push the operative side just because we have such easy access in the States and the surgery is such a slam dunk. Yeah, I, I think I would lean towards non-op just in my personal preference. Yeah, me too. I'm anti-operational, so I fucking have to do it. No, I mean, if it's interfering with my daily life, my daily happiness, my daily ability to, to train and do what I want to do, then you got to you gotta do it. But, you know, I think that's one of those things that you, you wait, you see if they're swelling, you see how you can manage it, and, and go from there. Also, Rob, I thought for sure when you were teeing up Dan to make a statement there that you were going to say something about his age because we always say he's 50 plus. <laughs> I, I thought for sure that's where that was going. And then you went with the serious. I was not ready. You guys have made one age joke. I can't I can't do two in the same episode. <laughs> you guys are so in my head. You occupy a pretty significant portion of my, of my brain space. And I was in Nashville and I was I was like looking at Leah. And, you know, there's like some boomers kicking around at some of the bars. I'm like, look at the fucking boomers here. And then in my head, I'm like, oh, Nick and Rob would just say like, oh, there, there's your bar. Like there's all the fucking boomers. <laughs> I'm like making fun of myself. In your guys' voices through my through my own self. So so just so you know, you were you were there in spirit. Appreciate. We just got to get Leah doing it. Would be the ultimate completing the circle. Here's a great ACL story. I'll talk about. I know my mom listens to the podcast sporadically, but she comes home. She, my mom for for those of you Nick knows my mom. Rob doesn't know her quite as well, but phenomenal skier. Like again, my mom. You know, maybe not the best like athlete of all time, but if you ski with her, like she grew up in Vermont, she skied literally every single day. Awesome skier. So we go on a family ski trip. She's like 40, 41 at the time, skis for two weeks, does great, no issues, goes home and trips over the laundry, tears her ACL immediately after two weeks of nonstop skiing at age 40. So she gets surgery from the professor, me and Rob know as uh, Dr. X, and he couldn't get over it. He was like laughing at her going into surgery, like, can you blame this lady tripping over it? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but anyway, you know, she was kind of on that borderline of like, do you get it reconstructed or not? And she did go through the surgery and had, had a pretty solid result. You know, now she's undergoing, you know, probably looking down a uh, knee replacement at some point here soon. But, you know, had a, had a really solid 20 plus year run with the reconstruction. So, you know, it's every, I think every case is individual. Yeah, sure. it's really interesting. And it's kind of from the layman, I equate them nowadays as far as recovery goes to almost like Tommy John with pitchers it's like well you tear your knee up you good and, and you know you're out of here that sucks you're not on the field making plays but then they come back and they're pretty good once the recovery happens i know everyone's their own and some people never come back right but it doesn't seem like it's like an achilles injury for a basketball player which sometimes they never come back from no you got your cooper cups you know who came back and he's the biggest freak of all time ever and then you have your carson wentz's who you know he came back and you know can't throw a football, you know, one eightieth of what he used to, which is totally bizarre. But he was an ACL LCL, I think, too, which is super bizarre. Yeah, and who knows? The quarterback position is so different, and ah, it's so mental. I mean, yeah. that, that could be that could be things between his ears as much as it could be his knee. Yeah, you're probably right on that too. 
All right, cool. That was uh, that was good. I know we had been flirting with that conversation for a while, so thank you, boys, for educating me and and everyone else. Uh, let's transition now to to something that we were texting about. I think maybe last night or the night before, and it's a really important topic. So I want to spend a little time on it, and it is uh, a stack ranking of let's call it the five greatest kids sports movies. You know, I'll throw out there just some names and then we can go and deliberate. So, of course, there's The Sandlot, there's Angels in the Outfield, there's Space Jam, there's, uh, yeah, I forgot about Space Jam, there's Little Giants, there's Little Big League, there's Rookie of the Year. Some may throw in, you know, like Hoosiers, but I don't think that, that, is what we're going for here. We're looking for fun. The Big Green, the Mighty Ducks. So let's just craft a list. We've done some lists throughout. You know, you can go listen to our top five exercises by each of us if you, if you really want to. But this is going to be a really important definitive list that I want to come up with. So what's our top five kids' sports movies, guys? So I think there, there was some good consensus on number one. And I threw it on, on July 4th before fireworks. The Sandlot, to me has to be the gold standard of, of kids' movies, like kids' sports movies, and just great for all ages. So I'd go the Sandlot, number one. Let's come up with a, a five that we can all agree on. So, I mean, Sandlot's probably the, the most rewatchable, which is what makes it entertaining for me. So I'm definitely concurring on, on Sandlot being number one. Yeah, I'm with you. I've watched it more times than I can count in the last 12 months with my kids. It's just fucking awesome. It's great. Number two, this is where things, you know, they can go every which way. So I think this is where you're going to start thinking back to little kid Dan, Rob, and Nick. And what what resonated with you? What was your favorite? Because now we're not really talking rewatchable as much as like kind of what stuck with you. Yeah, I'm going to go rookie of the year at number two when he gets wow. the cast when he gets the cast off and hits homeboy in the face and you know funky butt loving like when he first throws the ball. You got Daniel Stern, huge Daniel Stern guy. You got Gary Busey as the old veteran pitcher. I just love the cast. The kid that's in that is is fantastic. Later comes in American Pie one and two. Just the, one of the premium uh, forces of American culture in my youth. Uh, usually, I look for any opportunity to disagree with you, Dan, but. When I think I have not haven't seen a lot of these movies recently, that one is up there for me because there are certain scenes like a funky butt living that will never leave my brain. And there's it's a pretty pretty all star cast there as well. Like yeah, you forget about Gary Busey, man, but that, that was his heyday. I would say it's a top five for me. I can't put it too mostly because I recently watched it and there are some real parts in this movie that rub it <laughs> the wrong way. I really don't like when the kid like ends up having to throw the ball underhand at the very end because he falls on the ball. Like, how do you not see that ball when you're running out? <laughs> you yeah, he's down. a professional athlete. You should see it. Yeah, like you've played 82 games or 162 games or whatever, like, and you're just going to run over top of a baseball on very finely cut MLB grass, you stupid fucking idiot. And then look up at your mom and realize then that it's her glove and throw it underhand to the guy that hit a bomb off you the first time you pitched the fuck out of here with that so maybe it's not my top five i'm not sure but let me go with one that i haven't seen in a hot minute resonated with me a little bit more realistic angels in the outfield okay angels in the outfield really stuck with me again this is little kid nick brain talking but i'm pretty sure the dad is like i'm gonna be a decent dad to you kid when the angels the worst team in the league (laughs) the pennant 
And the kid's like, oh, man, I got to go to a foster home. Shit. <laughs> and then they got to talk Danny Glover into loving him, the begrudge coach of the Angels. I got to find this movie. That's number two. You have such a vivid recollection of that. I just know it's kind of a tearjerker, and I, I try to stay where I'm sad enough. I don't need any more sad in my life. Yeah, dude, it's fucked up when I when that when the angel comes down and is looking over, and I think it's like Tony Danza who's in the who's in the dugout again. Haven't seen this movie in twenty five years, and he like looks over and he looks at the kid and he's like, "He's coming with us soon. He smokes too much," and he's like sitting on he's sitting in the dugout coughing in between innings. It's like, oh fuck, this angel's telling this little boy. This is basically I see dead people before it even happened. It was fucking awesome. Uh, I gotta watch this movie. All right, number three. I'm gonna go with Mighty Ducks, the first one, just the original Mighty Ducks. And it's funny because I'm not even like a hockey person in any way, shape, or form. I'm a big Emilio Estevez fan. Like when I was a kid and I was like, what should I be as a grown up? It was a choice between like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Emilio Estevez. Both I would have been happy with. I, I, I've fallen short tremendously of, of both, which is disappointing. <laughs> but um, fucking love Estevez. You know, just the team, like the ragtag team coming together. The uniforms that the other team has are so sick. And I love like the rich kid hockey team because they're such great villains and everything's so pristine and perfect. So that dichotomy is just everything a kid's movie should be. Love D1. And D2, but I'll put D1 on the list. And it spawned an actual team that somebody died. I mean, that's pretty cool, too. It's like spawned a team. I got to go back to Rookie of the Year real quickly because there's one scene you forgot to mention was the strikeout montage because it's like the all-star, like all the MLB players that have yeah. like the, the, the real players. Bond strikeout. Yeah, he's like, like <sighs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, never, I'll never forget those. Number three for me, uh, we got to get away from baseball since my top two are baseball. We're going cool runnings because we used to watch this movie every year before like Christmas break. It's like the only school safe movie that kids like. And it holds up today. Like I probably, I probably saw it five years ago and it's still like, you can pick it up at any point and, and totally enjoy the movie. You got John Candy in there. There's some, some great quotes from it. Like absolute great sports movie from that, that time frame. Great movie. Great movie. Number three for me is little giants. Really like this movie. Ed O'Neill, bad guy coach. Can't beat him. He's just fantastic. I know he, we play, he plays your he plays your dad in this movie. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> With just you know that little shithead, the, the shithead son that's just like bigger than everyone else put together, and is such an athlete. Love that kid. Love that kid. Unfortunately, they lost, but uh, that, that's a fun one. What do you got for four, Dan? Yeah, that you stole my thunder, man. Little Giants, you know, you got Icebox, you got the Cowboys. And, and you know, a great villain, because if you're growing up in the early 90s, you were either the bandwagon kid with the Cowboys jersey or you hated the Cowboys. And I was always a kid that, like, hated the Cowboys. So just to have the villains rocking the star and the Cow Dallas Cowboys star, yeah. fantastic choice. Yeah, great choice. There. Yeah, I mean, we got to get some football in there. You got Icebox, you got Rick Moranis. I, I, I like Little Giants. That one holds up as well. Yeah, this next one for me, it's tough. It Could have went number three, Space Jam. A lot of fun. Space Jam's pretty fun. It's it's silly, really silly. But watched it with the kids. Haven't watched the new one, but the old one with Chuck and uh, MJ. It's kind of ahead of its time, mixing the cartoons and the humans. So some decent humor in there as well. It's hard to count this against it, but the the new one, which I haven't watched, kind of ruins it a little bit for me for some reason. Doing and it again, watching, yeah, the money grab. And the last dance, 
seeing the other side of Space Jam that Jordan would just bring like an all-star team out there and scrimmage after the movie shot. Like, I feel like that's better than Space Jam the movie. I would rather watch that footage. Literally making them come out and in between his his sets, just shooting all day and a lot of solo scenes, talking to just nothing because it's you know cartoons, and then running full court with these guys and you know gambling like crazy afterwards. Amazing, I love it, love it. Last but not least, what we got? Five. Wrap it up. Yeah, I got Space Jam a five. You know, nothing, nothing more to say. It's MJ. It's MJ. Fucking love MJ. I'm going D two for number five. I'm I'm partial to D two over D one. Yeah, I'm going Mighty Ducks 1. So that's the list. If you haven't watched any of these recently, check them out. A lot of them are on either Disney Plus or Netflix. Sandlot, hands down, go out of your way, especially if you have four or five-year-old kids. They're so great. And when you know they're about to get in the argument with the kids and you play ball like a girl, like – that's all I hear Lion talk about. Like it's, it's <laughs> they love it. They love it. And you know, the chop part is so good. Perfect. All right, cool. Nobody nobody wanted to go Airbud, huh? No. I never even saw Airbud. I feel like that was a little after. Yeah, I mean, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a boomer. I, I didn't have Airbud growing up. <laughs> you know, one that stuck with me that didn't make the list was Six Man. Again, sad ass, I'm pretty sure someone died and he was yeah. just like floating around, chilling, throwing lobs to his brother. Which one is hardball? Hardball was with Keanu Reeves, where he coaches an inner city baseball team. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I think there was like a really disturbing kid death in that movie. It was awful. I mean, a great movie. I've only seen it once, though, because I'm so sad. Yeah, we can't have that with the kids' sports movie. Nah, I don't want, I don't want not, no <laughs> doubt. Smile, goddamn. Unless you're, unless you're Nick, you just want to see a deadbeat dad and angels in the outfield. Dude, I can't wait to see it. And it just turns out like he was down on his luck in between jobs. And like he was like, man, I'd love to be a good dad. When the <laughs> Angels win the pennant, I will be. I just have it like he's just like, fuck you, kid. Go to the foster home. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's six-year-old Nick talking. It came out in 94, I think. All right. Um, before we transition, I do want to talk, since we're talking heavy baseball, my attention has been stolen a little bit. I've been watching Otani pitch. People are not giving this man enough respect. Last year was crazy. I know I talked about it a bunch then. This dude is doing something that's literally never going to be done again. So if you are a sports fan and you have children that are even mildly entertained, you have to get them. Like, this is the guy that's going to make your kids love baseball if you want to watch it. Like, it is fascinating to me. You know, he's pitching the night. He went seven innings. He hit the two-run RBI to put him up three to one. Because he bats third. This is Babe Ruth shit. And, you know, he's 28. He just turned 28 a couple days ago. He's making five mil a year. Someone's going to give him 50 mil a year. We just don't know who, right? It's going to be a big market team. But this is the guy. Like, I went to a Phillies game when the Angels played in Philadelphia. It was fucking packed. And it was before the Phillies got hot. And everyone was just there like, oh, there he is. There he is. So, you know, I I think uh, just my little baseball tip <laughs> if you give a fuck what i think uh this guy is just unmatched while we're while we're going off topic since we're just doing uh, the boys episode one thing that's been really bothering me with recent guests is nobody drinks seltzer yeah. i just want to go around the room and, and get an update from you guys what, what are you drinking on the, the non-alcoholic side what are, what are your favorite seltzers right now the the plastic bottle perrier from sam's and the no flavors no, no flavor. I love just the st- regular Perry is mm. fantastic. Wow. And it has a thicker bottle, which I really like. And then the Zevias, uh, you know, the Zevias I like too. 
<laughs> that doesn't count for this this conversation. Right, right. So the Perrier is, is my go-to right now. Green I, Perrier, I like that's a good, interesting choice. I like that. Great, bu- great bubbles. Love the Perrier and the, the the plastic bottles a little thicker than your standard plastic bottle keeps it colder. Yeah, that's a good call. I just grab whatever is in the Aldi row. It's not the Aldi brand, so it's a it's a big mix of various Aha flavors. I'll tell you, Aha, like it a lot. The caffeine Aha doesn't do it for me. Not great. Those flavors are a little fucking weird ass flavors. I had it. Weird it sucks. Flavors. They're trying something that doesn't fit. You know, black tea and peach and shit. Just give me fucking cherry. Give me cherry. cherry and give me thirty five milligrams of. Caffeine, I'll be good to go. But uh, a lot of AHA and occasional LaCroix. Have you stumbled upon anything new, Rob? Anything hot? Well, if you're talking Aldi, LaCroix has a lot of the watermelon in stock. And that is my number one LaCroix now that I've had it a few weeks. I agree. I agree with that. Very good. Watermelon LaCroix is fantastic. And hopefully the Browns buyer purchasers is listening because they've they've gotten away from the Topo Chico grapefruit and I'm just on the regular mineral water. It's great, great bubbles, but Topo Chico grapefruit is still my number one just bubbly water. How about Wawa? You can get a Wawa now, just the standard Topo Chico, which is nice. Really? Yeah, I had to throw a bottle open in my car. Like if I go to get gas in the morning, I'm like, yeah, do the bottle of my car so I can get my little Topo Chico treat. If I see a guy walking around drinking a big bottle of glass Topo Chico, immediate respect. You buy it right at Wawa. It's fantastic. And like every Wawa has it too. It's just really cool. I like that move. Gotta have the bottle opener though. You're fucked. <laughs> like a complete <laughs> asshole. No, you can use the teeth or like break it off the side of like a, a desk yeah, you or do, do, yeah. I, I was never a break it off the side guy. I never got that one down. I could I could flick a good bottle cap. Now, if done. I could see you drinking that Topo Chico on a on a motorcycle, that would really finish the picture. <laughs> oh gosh, I can't wait to go through my motorcycle phase. <laughs> it's coming. So you're going to get a sleeve tattoo too. So let's now transition once more to rather than talking about things we've been cooking, let's talk about this fucking mop sauce that none of us knew about. <laughs> Yeah, tell us about this. You 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 busted a you busted a virtual nut over this bo- this this yeah. nut sauce. Yeah, so I go to my buddy's house and he's got this little dish over here to the side of this ten pound pulled pork. Pulled pork's pulled pork, right? Like it's all good if you smoke it right, season it right. It's gonna come out great. Cool. He says, "Dip that in that." So I do. Boys, this mop sauce is legendary. And it sounds like we're just behind the eight ball because you Google it and it's omnipresent. It's everywhere. So this is a vinegar base, not quite Carolina barbecue intensity, but you make a little mixture and then you can either bathe your pulled pork in it and it can kind of sit in it. And that's where I think it may take that Carolina turn or what he was having was like, Hey, just dip it in there when you want a little bit. So I'm going to go on family vacay next week. Before I do, before I leave Saturday morning, I'm going to do a pulled pork Friday night so I can just bring food with us so we can just pick at it Saturday, Sunday. And I will be doing this mop sauce. So I'll be doing a formal review. Uh, Rob, I trust that eventually you will as well. And Dan, if you like the the vinegar kick of love vinegar, okay, then 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 all three of us maybe we all follow different ingredients. But I was shocked, Rob. You weren't like, yeah, bro. I always do that. 
Dude, I just love the name of it. I'm already in and I haven't even had it. It's perfect because you can think of it like yourself with a nice pulled pork slider and then you have a bucket of mop sauce. You're just mopping it right on the, the mop sauce. You're just mopping treat it. it just, I'm going to treat You're exactly right. I'm going to treat it like those devils do in the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. <laughs> they're water. <laughs> just give me some Hawaiian, some nice Hawaiian rolls. Throw on a couple ice cream scoops of that goddamn meat and just lather it. Come on now. I bought a pork shoulder today because uh, David's coming, so I was going to do that Friday. And then I got to get a lot of ingredients. I'm looking at this this ingredient list. It's pretty heavy. Uh, but I, I guess I can make a trip at some point because I do want to try it. I feel like when I looked at it, it's most, it should be pantry stuff, at least 90% of it. Yeah, I mean, high level here, folks. It's a cup of distilled white vinegar, cup of cider vinegar, <laughs> half cup of water, and then it's just a bunch of spices. And he puts in a little ketchup, and he puts in a lot, a little bit of the juice from the pork in it. That's it. What don't you have in this list, Dan? This is pretty basic seasonings here, man. Brown sugar. I I have have garlic powder. I don't have onion powder, and I don't have dry mustard and paprika. Fuck fuck those things anyway. But I'm I'm really ADD, like I really anal about this stuff. Like if you give me, you get those McCormick's overnight. Amazon probably for a dollar ninety nine a piece. They'll be. Yeah. There. I'm going to do that right after this. Right after this. All the ninety nine cent spices. Where? It's yeah. At. Well, then you got to go somewhere. He's got all these a long drive for. I'm not. I'm not going. Yeah, but Dan likes going to the grocery store, talking to people while he's exchanging quarters for cards. He wants to talk to people in the aisle. He wants to talk to the cashier for a second. Yeah, I got a quick experience boomer. for Dan. I know this is, we're getting a little late, but I got a quick boomer rant. Went to this place in Nashville. It's called Bar Taco. Fantastic fucking tacos. They were just next level. Uh, the margarita, you know, Blue Lee is mine. Great food, great drink. I hear yada, that place yada. is primo, like goat, goat status. It was awesome. The worst part about it, though, is it was a QR code thing, which I'm fine with, right? Like a QR code menu, like I'm not an idiot. Like I can bring up a QR code. I can order from the menu. But it, they took it one step further. It's a QR code menu and you order it from your phone. So the waitress just is there explaining it. And I'm like, oh, cool. So I'll tell you what I want. And she's like, well, no, you're not. You're going to fucking add to cart, add to cart, add to cart and fucking order it online as I walk away. And I felt like the 40 year old virgin where he has the eBay store or she has the eBay store. And he's like, Definitely I would just like to buy those boots. Like, well, yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, well, that's not really how it works. You have to, you know, get the money. He's like, I'm a customer. I have money. I'd like to buy that. Like that's how I felt at Bar Taco. So I gave them really high reviews for their actual food and shit, but the worst reviews for fucking QR code ordering. And they fucked up. You reviewed them? Are you a Yelper? They they sent me an email and I was like, this is the worst fucking system ever. I'm going to tell them. (laughs) My favorite part is the audacity of those service people that ask for a tip. Oh, 25%. Why not? Because now they got food runners and I'm thinking like, well, the food runners are bringing it out. So, so I, I got to tip this them. new thing. It's genius on their end because I'm never going to say no, but like every oh, single time everywhere. I scan my card anywhere, the fucking all the people might as well just put, I mean, at least they, like they at least put it in my court. Every single place I go, someone's asking for 20%. And I'm like, I just fucking did all that myself. But what am I going to say? No, fuck. Now I'm a boomer. Fuck. Boomer. <laughs> Full circle. All life, right. life comes at you fast. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a really fun time just bullshitting with you boys. Very little fitness, but, you know, at this point, you're getting a little, little bit of everything. Any hitters? I got one hot one. 
the band that uh, I saw open for the Menzingers, Sincere Engineer, coming in last. They're like a punk band, female lead singer, pretty uh, up-tempo, good stuff. Cool. One suggestion, new Lupe album, pretty good. No hitters, just a good, smooth Lupe album. So check it out if you're interested in that type of music. A hitter, Nipsey, Sound of My Ceremony. This motherfucker's so good. I would have never heard about him unless until he got shot. He's just so good. His catalog's really hard to rival. Anything for you, Rob? I'm still pumping out Zach O'Hare hitters. Here we got Ghostface Killer, the champ. Fuck yeah. Love that shit. All right. Well, another successful, I think, hour of bullshitting. I'm on vacation next week, boys. But we go over an hour without even streaming of the week. Oh, well, we, we did we did 15 movies. But <laughs> No, no, no. I don't want to get into it. Just that's we could tease that for next time. I can't wait to hear Dan go in on uh, Stranger Things 4. That was I had it on my list, but you know, we'll, 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 save, it. we'll save it. We'll save it for T because you, have you seen it? You're caught up. Oh, I'm caught up. Woo. Woo. Uh, I'm, I'm pumped. Nick has yet to see an episode, so that, that's always good. Yeah, but I love learning about it from you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. We'll be back next week. Later. All right, later.